BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you live from Chicago. Last night I was keynoting the fundraiser for the Kane County Democrats. It was huge, uh, over 400 people. Uh, the entire congressional delegation, four Congress people from Illinois, including Lauren Underwood, the, the new rock star, all were there. They're all from Kane County. It was just amazing. This, this place is on fire, and I was so pleased to be there. But this hour, with us is Congressman Ro Khanna of California. He is the uh, vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, as well as representing part of California in the United States House of Representatives. Congressman, welcome back. Tom, great to be back on. What do you see as the biggest issues that we should all be paying attention to right now? And what are you up to? I'm happy to answer that. First of all, I'm glad you got to meet Lauren Underwood because she's uh, fantastic and some of these progressive freshmen who have come in are really uh, changing the tenor. This is going to be a a busy week in Congress. Uh, First, we're uh, all uh, getting on uh, Castro's resolution to overturn Trump's emergency. You know, the interesting thing about that, Tom, is the Department of Defense to this day has not given uh, the president a list of uh, how, which projects they would cut uh, in order to pay for the wall. And I think that's because the lawyers at the DOD recognize that uh, they are not allowed to engage in uh, domestic enforcement, and it would be a constitutional violation. So you uh, literally have the uh, Department of Defense uh, passively uh, resisting the president's unconstitutional call, uh, and we're going to be um, making sure that we pass uh, a resolution overturning the emergency. Uh, second, uh, is, is that Cohen, because of the Posse Comitatus Act? of, uh, eight, what was it, 1874, as I recall? Uh, the, the the statute, you're saying, or the... Yeah, yeah, the, the Posse Comitatus that said that the American yeah, army so will never again turn its guns exactly. on American people. Right, post-Civil exactly. War. That, exactly. That is, uh, that's because of that doctrine, and it's because of the... Uh, it requires, by the way, that the only funds can be reallocated for military construction, uh, which, a, which a wall isn't. And it's, uh, you know, long in, in, in established uh, case law that uh, you can't use military funding for domestic enforcement. So you literally have the irony, I never thought in this country, where you have generals at the Department of Defense showing more restraint and respect for the Constitution than the civilian elected commander-in-chief. And there's there's a reason, I mean, that they haven't uh, enumerated the list, because uh, they they know that it's a violation of the law for them to, uh, to, to use this funding for domestic enforcement. Uh, for the for the doctrine you you lay out, so we're going to overturn it. My guess is the president will uh, veto it, but I think there will be some Republicans who join us in uh, overturning the emergency. And then it's going to be really interesting to see the interplay between the Department of Defense and uh, and the president. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you were going on to a second topic when I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Well, well, no, the second topic, of course, Michael Cohen is coming. He's testifying at our oversight committee on on Wednesday. uh, That uh, will be interesting. You're on that committee. I'm on the committee, and uh, it'll be interesting. So Ooh. if any callers have any bright ideas of uh, what I should ask him, I'm all, I'm all open to uh, to people's feedback. Uh, but uh, we'll, uh, uh, you know, see what he has to say about uh, uh, what the president uh, uh, asked him to do and uh, whether uh, uh, whether the public knows uh, exactly what was going on or are there more instances of hush money being paid. But it's going to be a, a long hearing on uh, on Wednesday. 
That's fascinating. Okay, well, let's start our national town hall meeting here with Congressman Ro Khanna, the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, uh, representing California's, what, 17th district, 14th district? 17th district, yes. 17th District. Thank you. Doing this from memory here. I'm on a, I'm on remote. Yeah, so. that's impressive. Um, <laughs> it's been, you, you know, we repeated a lot. <laughs> there you go. Joe in Cupertino, which I think is in the 17th District. Joe, you're yeah, on the air I'm with, just, I think, your Congressman Connor. Congratulations, Congressman Connor, on being selected co-chair to the Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential campaign. I'm so happy that you've been selected. Nina Turner and the lady from AFSCME. I'm sitting here in my home and I'm reading a copy of the Democratic Left, the DSA uh, publication for the month of, or should I say this is volume two. I picked it up at the uh, delegate meeting last month in California. I mean, all it's talking about is labor unions, uh, organization 101, talking about uh, you know the issues that our free school teachers in Oakland are striking about right now, which is fair pay. But I I'm just can't believe how lucky I am to speak with you. I didn't realize that you were going to get a chance to address Mr. Cohn. Maybe you might ask him if you can what Donald Trump told him to tell the Congress. Maybe that would be a good start. But at any rate, I'm very concerned, as you well know, of the H-4 visa uh, thing that is being brought, I guess, for public comment. It appears that the H-1B visa thing is now being exposed, but now they're going after the 100,000-plus Indian women living in my community. They are closing their businesses. They're going back to their country. I think that the wall is a rue. Do you have anything that you can tell me about that? I'll wait for your response. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, first, I'm honored to be co-chairing uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign. I think he's going to speak to independents and, and folks uh, left out and communities left behind uh, in an extraordinary way around this country. Uh, in terms of the issue you raised on uh, the uh, spousal visa, I mean, it's just cruel. What you have here is a case where uh, spouses of those who are on H-1B visas were uh, allowed to work. Uh, many of these people have been waiting for their green card for 10, 15 years. Uh, if spouses aren't allowed to work, they tend to often uh, be women, and just that's just the statistical fact. Uh, then there is higher incidence of domestic abuse, higher incidence of uh, a, a lack of independence. And so uh, these are folks who are not competing with uh, traditional American jobs. They're often working part-time, uh, and this administration is uh, uh, trying to strip them of their right to, to work, and we, I strongly uh, oppose that. Um, one, one note, Tom, because I looked it up, uh, I've gone back and forth with Bruce Ackerman, who's one of the biggest uh, legal scholars, and your, uh, your legal knowledge continues to uh, amaze me, because he says the prohibition on the non-military use of funds expresses the same principle codified by the Insurrection Act and Posse Comitatus, prohibiting the president from, from commandeering the military for domestic law enforcement. So you were absolutely, uh, absolutely right. Yeah, that law's been around for quite a while, and uh, it's, it's a good one. Uh, thank you. Jeanette, in Bronx, New York, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. Hi, Congressman. I just wanted to say I used to be a resident of Cupertino. Oh, wow. Long, long before um, your time. But um, I'm calling with, um, well, my peace group, the War and Law League, warandlaw.org, has come up, has put together a resolution to um, preserve the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, the INF Treaty. And we are very concerned that the president and um, his... Um, his uh, gang of uh, thugs <laughs> has um, unconstitutionally uh, suspended with the intent of um, abrogating and uh, destroying the INF treaty that was um, signed into law by the Senate and by Gorbachev and Reagan. And um, we have put together a very detailed, um, well, a really good, concise, but detailed resolution that we are hoping that you might want to introduce. You have been so bold in your um, activities on Yemen, and you are so well-placed in your committee assignments, as well as having the ear of many progressives. I'm afraid that my generation, which grew up with duck and cover, is um, and our... Uh, 
alertness to the nuclear threat it seems to be dying out and there's a complacency about it young people seem to have grown up with uh, explosive video games and ideas of you know mushroom clouds being normal and um, even now you know the the development of these mini nukes that are more usable I mean this is an atrocity and I think that you know the first thing on people's radar which should be you know along with climate change should be having a planet to have you know a climate discussion on so we're hoping that you will look at this I've um, my group has been in touch with your office we've actually even tried to speak with your foreign policy advisors about it and it can be seen by anybody if you go to war and law.org slash files it will open up a house resolution there is also a Senate resolution there and you can fix it up or change it in any way you want but I'm very 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 concerned that the INF treaty which has stood as a wall against nuclear Jeanette let's let's let the congressman get a word in here uh, uh, congressman well, Jeanette, thank you for your work. I mean, as, as you know, the doomsday clock, which uh, measures the risk of uh, uh, a nuclear uh, confrontation, uh, continues to tick towards midnight. And uh, we have been at a greater risk uh, than we have uh, uh, been since uh, even times during the Cold War. And uh, uh, Lee Aspen and, and others uh, uh, have spoken about uh, the risk. So I really ad- ad- admire uh, your work in uh, 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 trying to raise this issue. Uh, Lois Frankel has led a letter in Congress that I support uh, to make it clear that we should be part of uh, the INF uh, and that we should be engaged in uh, diplomacy with Russia and China. Uh, this is even more urgent with Putin uh, recently uh, talking about uh, threats to the United States with hypersonic uh, uh, weapons and uh, escalating these tensions. I'm happy to look at your resolution. Uh, if you send it again to uh, to my office, and I'll have a, a look at your website, and if there's a way that that resolution goes further than what Louis Frankel is doing, uh, I'm happy to, uh, to be supportive. But I uh, share your principle that we need to be part of the INF and can't be reneging on these uh, commitments. Amen. David in Columbus, Ohio, listening to WGRN. You're on the air. Hello, Congressman, and um, thank you very much for uh, appearing on this. Um, I have a question. It's more on domestic rather than foreign policy. Quickly, uh, Ohio is looking at increasing its gas tax by 28 cents. I think this is somewhat regressive. Uh, This is to pay for billion dollars worth of maintenance and repairs. Um, When Obama was president, uh, half a billion dollars was pledged to Ohio for high-speed rail and rail improvements. I'd like to see the federal government help us a little bit so we're not uh, all paying um, regressive tax and we're not stuck in cars and exacerbating the uh, global warming problem. Well, I agree with you completely. I think the lesson from France and Macron was that uh, if you want to be aggressive on tackling climate change, it can't be on the backs of the working class who often haven't been responsible uh, for the pollution. I mean, the uh, responsibility for the pollution is many of the uh, top hundred corporations and also uh, those who are extraordinarily wealthy who are uh, consuming more of the uh, resources. So uh, this is why I support the Green New Deal, which is uh, a, a, a vision of the federal government supporting things like high-speed rail, like uh, electric vehicles, like investment in solar and wind, uh, and uh, helping uh, states uh, build the industries for the future to create jobs uh, and invest in infrastructure, uh, but having the tax burden fall on uh, either the corporations that have caused the problem or uh, the top 1% that have benefited from the resources. We shouldn't be having regressive taxation to tackle climate change. Amen. Uh, let's see here. Patrick in Los Angeles. You're on the air with Congressman Kana. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for your time. Hope you're doing well. Um, you know, the discourse with conservatives is always inflammatory. And, you know, Democrats oftentimes are playing patty cake while they're playing bloody knuckles. You know, I want to see... I want to see, uh, you know, Republicans embarrassed more, specifically talking about them as the party of irresponsibility, because conservatives never want to be held responsible for anything. Child poverty, um, unemployment, the environment. 
paying their taxes. Conservatives don't want to pay taxes ever. They don't want. They don't want to be. You know, they don't want to pay for the roads or for the court system or for ports of entry or anything. Can you, can you guys embarrass them more, please? <laughs> I mean, it's a request. I want to get them. In, I want to see them because they're shameless. Um, can you use that? They are the party of Plus, they ran up over twenty trillion dollars in debt with their tax cuts and their wars, Congressman. I, I think that's what Tom Hartman tries to do every show, right? We we need uh, more like that. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I uh, it's a fact. I mean, uh, the Republicans come in, they run up the deficits, and they run it up uh, by two very simple things: they get us into foreign wars, uh, and they give massive tax cuts to the top one percent that's already doing very well. Uh, and then the deficits come. Then what happens is we finally get a Democrat in. We get very excited that we're going to get infrastructure, or education, or healthcare spending. Uh, but the Democrat is so uh, 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 tied down cleaning up the Republican messes that we never have the public investments uh, that we need. Uh, and so you're absolutely right that the Republican policies have been irresponsible. They've been irresponsible in terms of America's economic growth. What built America uh, was our strategic investments in our uh, education, our uh, education, our research institutions, our infrastructure. Uh, that's what built the middle class that created America's economic growth. Uh, and what the Republicans have done is sort of raided it, privatized it, pillaged it to give benefits to the elite investor class. The same thing they did, by the way, on Wall Street with corporations where they, in the 1980s, cut research and development. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Laura in Sarasota, Florida, listening on our affiliate down there, WSLR. Laura, you're on the air with Congressman Hello. I've got a question. I want to know who are the most effective lobbyist organizations supporting Medicare for All that we can contribute to? We're going to have to put our money where our mouth is to support Medicare for All. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I can't solicit on behalf of other organizations, but I can tell you that uh, uh, there are a lot of grassroots groups that are uh, doing a, a, a terrific job in uh, pushing Medicare for All. Uh, and Pramila Jayapal has convened a lot of the outside groups uh, on this, uh, including the uh, nurses' unions, the Move On, the uh, uh, Democracy for America, uh, Progressive Campaign for Change. We've really looked at all of the different uh, grassroots organizations, and, and, and there are many, and, and some of them uh, are just uh, spontaneous in, in districts. And so uh, the movement has come really from outside uh, groups that have been uh, organizing, and I'm confident that we uh, will get a vote uh, in, in the House sometime this year. Yeah, and I last night uh, I met a man who, you know, at this fundraiser for the Kane County Dems, uh, who was uh, with, a physician with Physicians for National Healthcare Policy, which uh, I keynoted their convention in Seattle like 15 years ago. I mean, they've been around forever. And then I'm on the national board of, or the advisor board, rather, of uh, Progressive Democrats of America, PDAmerica.org, uh, Tim, Tim Carpenter's old organization. So uh, along with all the other ones you mentioned, there's some great stuff out there. And also, support your members of Congress who say that they that they will vote for, for for Medicare for all. Do you not agree, Congressman? Well, I I think that they're they they've got to be active and mobilized. I'm proud. Congress is uh, is great, but we'll, we, we, that should be a requirement of being in Congress is to support Medicare for all. We shouldn't need uh, support for that. There you go. My friends at X-Chair are at it again, constantly tinkering to make an already superior product even better so you can work in even more comfort and be that much more productive. Now you can enhance your X-Chair's performance and protect your floors with incredible X-Wheel blade casters. These urethane wheels are driven by butter-smooth, whisper-quiet ball bearings and are built to last. As if the X-Chair isn't comfortable enough, now you can add a set of X-Wheels and take your performance to the next level. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as $30 a month. Seriously, for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee, you can take your comfort and productivity into the stratosphere by getting yourself an X-Chair. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code TOM for a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com, xchairtom.com. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program, all three hours of our program, anytime you'd like? 
Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Tom Harbin here with you, broadcasting live from Chicago, from WCPT, our affiliate there, or here, or there, whatever. Congressman Ro Khan is on the line with us, taking your calls for the hour in a national town hall meeting here. His website, Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A dot house dot gov. You can tweet him at Rep Ro Khanna. And uh, Congressman, you're still with us, right? I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to the whole oh, hour. Okay. Great. Okay. On remote here, I can't see, uh, you know, I don't see the camera monitor, so it just... Uh, hey, you keep having me back, sure I assume there's enough interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there absolutely is. People absolutely love it. And, uh, yes. Bruce, in Long Valley, New Jersey, you are on the air with Congressman Connor. Hi, Tom. Hi, uh, Mr. Connor. When Bernie's on TV, he never, or very, very seldom, ever says how he's going to pay for it. I follow him for a couple of years. You know, he had the Wall Street uh, charging fees on trades and that. You hear all the time the Republicans said it's going to cost twenty-three trillion dollars, and then you turn on another station, it's going to cost twenty-three tri- uh, trillion dollars. They always throw that out. Not one guy ever forgets to say that. And I think Bernie should say that the current costs. Uh, to what the company is paying for, what the people are paying their co-pays and their premiums to the companies are like 35 to $40 trillion. When, when Bernie has the opportunity on TV with a mass audience watching him, he should like try to throw that out. And I know he has a lot of things on his mind, but the major issue is uh, Medicare for All. And he should try to throw that out, that the current system's costing the uh, corporations and... Um, the people uh, like 35 to 40 billion dollars and I feel uh, in it right now I I feel that they're doing this they don't want the Medicare for all because if people have Medicare the labor costs will go up for everybody in all wage categories you'll have engineers jumping from one job to another knowing that they have uh, Medicare um, health insurance and they'll go to the highest bidder and get more money. And that's one of the reasons behind these corporations don't want to give it out. You know, the Republicans don't want it. Okay? That's my beef. Bruce, well, I look, I agree with you uh, completely. One of the reasons I think Senator Sanders asked me to co-chair his campaign is I've tried to make the economic argument for Medicare for All. In fact, there's a clip of me on Fox News where I say uh, the current system costs $49 trillion. When you factor in uh, insurance and pharmaceutical costs and hospital facility fees, and it's very disingenuous to say Medicare for All costs $32 trillion. It's compared to what? Compared to the current system, which is $49 trillion. So you're actually saving $17 trillion. Uh, and here's the reality of how you pay. It's over a decade. Right now. Over a decade. Over a decade. Exactly. I mean, and uh, right now people are paying uh, maybe five thousand bucks if they're lucky uh, a year for their insurance. Uh, and what you say to folks is, okay, now if you have Medicare for all, you'll pay a fee, and that fee will be maybe eight hundred dollars for the year. So it's not that you're not going to pay for something; you're just going to pay uh, five times less. And w- what would you rather do? Keep paying it. Uh, to the insurance companies or pay a small fee to the government and have it uh, at at five times less. Uh, And finally, to your point, Medicare for All is about freedom. It's not just about care and morality. It's about uh, having economic freedom to change jobs, to become entrepreneurial, to uh, to have agency. Right now, so many people are trapped in their jobs uh, because they uh, fear losing health care. And if health care was not connected to employment, uh, and if everyone had health care, there'd be far more mobility in people's uh, uh, career choices, and they'd have far more agency. And so I think Democrats have to talk about choice and freedom uh, and economic mobility when we talk about Medicare for all. But Bruce, I, I, I completely agree for you with you that we need to make the economic argument for the policy. Yeah. I'm assuming you meant one-fifth less, right? One-fifth. Yeah, one-fifth in terms of... Because yeah. uh, uh, about 20% cost. is yeah. yeah, is what they're skimming off the top. There you go. Barbara in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're on the air with Congressman Kana. I was 
wondering, what is the current role and makeup of the superdelegates in the DNC? I heard that they would still be able to vote their choice if there's not one primary candidate that gets 50% of the primary votes. And I was wondering, Congressman, if you could please clarify what exactly is going on with the superdelegates and whether that they could prevent a progressive candidate from getting in. Thank you. My understanding, and, uh, you know, I would want to look at the details, but my understanding is that they cannot vote on the first ballot, the superdelegates, members of Congress and some of the others who are part of the DNC, about 700 folks, uh, but they can vote on a second ballot. So if uh, no one got the majority, uh, they would be able to vote on a second ballot. Uh, It was a compromise. I mean, I believe I'm a member of Congress and I'm a superdelegate, and I don't think I should have a a special vote in, in any ballot. Uh, but it was a compromise. They couldn't get uh, enough DNC voters for uh, eliminating superdelegates' voting rights altogether, so they uh, hit a compromise and said, okay, you, you can't vote on the first ballot, but can vote on the second ballot. As a practical matter, uh, I, I think it would be very, very tough for superdelegates to try to throw an election uh, in a second ballot to someone who uh, wasn't the leader in the popular vote, but uh, theoretically it is possible. Mark in San Francisco, listening on AM 910, our uh, iHeartRadio affiliate in San Francisco. You're on the air with Congressman Kana. Tom and Congressman, uh, I think what's crucial in this election is how we message the Green New Deal. And as a jobs uh, creator, opposed to the Republican scam, which was a, a tax cut supposedly to make jobs, I think you ought to throw that back at him and say, you have the real jobs creating program. Well, we do, and it's not just politics, it's the truth. I mean, if you want to put folks back to work at GM who were laid off, why were they laid off there? Because folks aren't buying sedans as much as many uh, and, uh, uh, anymore, and they're buying SUVs. Well, there's not a single SUV that's electric because uh, the market doesn't allow for that. Now, if you have a Green New Deal policy that allows for a, a refundable tax credit for electric vehicles, and you link that to domestic manufacturing, you could get folks at the GM factories back to work in making electric SUVs, put people back to work in the very communities that have faced deindustrialization. So what we're proposing with uh, the Green New Deal and, and some of the specifics are actual policies to build the industrial base and the future in this country and make sure that that future industry isn't in China, that we learn the lessons for the, from the semiconductor industry going to Taiwan, and we uh, ensure that America will lead and that those jobs will be American jobs. Uh, That's not going to happen just by giving tax cuts to to the investor class. So the economics are on our side. We just need to continue to make the case. Gene in Atlanta, Georgia, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Congressman, I mean, uh, my intervention is about the Medicare for all. all. You know what? I don't get it when people in a great country like that saying how we're going to pay for it. It becomes a habit. We need, we need to erase that type of language. What do you mean, how are we going to pay for it? I mean, Medicare for all is going to create a lot of jobs. In a great country like the United States, a small program like that, that's going to help and save lives, somebody come in, how are we going to pay for it? It's just that not working. Thank you. Thank you, Gene. Well, look, I, I do think in the richest country in the world, we can afford to make sure every person is born with basic health care. I mean, that's uh, uh, a moral right uh, of individuals. It's something that every other industrialized country has done. Uh, but the, how we are going to pay for it, we shouldn't uh, lose that argument. Uh, the reality is that this is going to save uh, the American economy a lot of money. That, and it's common sense. Think about it. What are the costs that are being eliminated uh, when you have Medicare for all? You're eliminating all the private insurance costs, the uh, $50 million that uh, the Aetna CEO or Blue Cross Blue Shield CEO is making. All of that money is getting uh, eliminated and saved. Uh, you're eliminating a lot of the pharmaceutical costs. You're Eliminating a lot of the hospital costs, where they're j- jacking up prices uh, for procedures done at hospitals that would cost far less if they were done in doctors' offices. So you're taking all of this excessive private profit 
uh, out, and you're basically asking people to pay uh, for the actual services that they're getting. Uh, so obviously it's a, a cost-saving. The people who are going to be hurt by this are the insurance companies and the pharmaceuticals uh, and the hospitals in certain cases that, that are big monopolies, and that's why they are fighting so hard with everything they have against this, because their livelihood, the gravy train that they've been uh, riding on for decades, is at risk. Uh, but the argument that this is going to hurt the economy or, uh, or, or cost more for ordinary Americans is just flat-out wrong. Well, and a good example of that, uh, we just have 40 seconds to the break here. Uh, a good example of that is, uh, I believe it was Toyota. Uh, this was six, eight years ago. I'd, I'd have to look it up to get the exact details. But they were going to site a new factory in the United States. And there were several states. In fact, there was a lot of speculation. You know, was it going to go to North Carolina? I think Wisconsin was a big contender, Michigan maybe even. And uh, for the better part of a year, it was, you know, bouncing around. And they ended up going to Canada. And when they were asked why, they said, because there's over $2,600 worth of health care in every car made in the United States, and we just don't want to pay it. That's a great example, Tom. Those are the things we need to be talking about. Yeah, amen. Congressman Ro Khanna with us, taking your calls for the hour. We'll be back. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Khanna. His website, Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A, dot house, as in House of Representatives, dot house, dot gov. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Broadcasting live from our blowtorch affiliate WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. Everyone's talking about the decline in stock values over the last few months. If you've been listening to Lynette Zhang's YouTube show, you probably aren't surprised by the fall. Her fact-based research on markets, currencies, and economics is second to none. And her presentations have pointed to most every major downfall we've recently seen in the U.S. economy. Her video titled Just Before the Crash showed people the exact patterns to look out for and now has over 210,000 views and counting. Lynette Zhang has been on my show and works with my friends at ITM Trading. I highly recommend looking them up, as they are pioneers in creating wealth protection strategies with gold and silver. If you're a strategic investor looking to protect your wealth or just hedge against the most volatile markets since 2007, then call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and join the top 1% who are now accumulating very specific types, dates, and qualities of physical gold and silver. Call 1-888-OWN-GOLD. That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. Jacob in Baltimore, Maryland, watching us on uh, YouTube Live. Jacob, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, and thank you, for Ro Khanna, for uh, leading a lot of the progressive uh, foreign policy and being a voice there. My concern is, and I've mentioned this on Tom's program before, that a lot of our foreign policy currently looks like it is currently framed around don't be an imperial power, which I think is a good start. But um, I think we need a broader vision. And I'm looking at uh, the Green New Deal here as a national framework for policy. And I'm wondering if we could look back to the Marshall Plan and say that our foreign policy as progressives is a global green Marshall Plan uh, to leapfrog all of the developing nations of the world over fossil fuel development and into renewable energy and sort of frame uh, our foreign policy around that. Well, I definitely think our foreign policy has to have tackling climate change as, as, as one of the key pillars that America is going to lead in uh, creating clean technology, in uh, investing in renewable energy, in being a leader in uh, energy efficiency, that we're going to work with other nations in a cooperative way to tackle uh, one of the biggest challenges that humanity has faced. Uh, and my view is that America, our, our progressive foreign policy should be one of a greater restraint when it comes to military uh, interventionism uh, and a greater restraint uh, when it comes to uh, the uh, hard power. Uh, but we should be expansive when it comes to cooperating on tackling climate change, tackling global poverty, uh, tackling uh, the, the need to have primary education uh, for people around the world, that uh, our vision should be uh, what is America doing to contribute to, 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 to helping lead a, a better planet. Uh, and that is true American idealism. Grace in Glendale, California. You are on the air with Congressman Connor. Hi. Uh, thank you, Congressman, for all the work you're doing. Um, my question is about income inequality. I um, 
I know a lot of people who have done everything they're supposed to do. They went to school, they started working, they work full time, and they're just barely making it because all the money is going to the top virtually everywhere. And I'm just wondering, A, what Congress can do about this, but also I have my idea is, uh, you know, can we do what other countries have done where we make a percentage cap between the top and the bottom? So we know they like trickle-down economics. Make it mandatory that if the top is making more, that everybody else has to make more, too, so that they don't exceed the percentage between top and bottom. Well, I think the, the, the policies that get to uh, having a, uh, a livable wage for the bottom are uh, policies like having a $15 minimum wage and uh, gradually pushing it uh, even higher, expanding the earned income tax credit so you can have uh, working folks get uh, what they deserve in terms of productivity increases, uh, and uh, m- making sure you have a, a progressive taxation uh, at the top so that you don't have uh, 1% benefiting from all of the gains of, of the economy. And I think you you will see uh, the Democrats moving towards that kind of policy, which is basically saying people should earn what they uh, uh, what they deserve. Yeah, Amen. Stephen in San Francisco, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. <clears throat> yeah, gentlemen, great show. Um, it was a Michael Cohen um, did an NDA with a share of Bajard a while ago. It was in Vanity Fair. Uh, you can. You can ask him about that. And, I mean, how many cell phones does this guy have? Uh, he's a treasure trove of information. He's a, he's a hoarder of evidence. Yeah. Well, so that's your well, point, I, Stephen. Uh, I, I certainly think uh, I'll look at the Vanity Fair article uh, and the NDA that you reference and uh, see if there's any line of inquiry there. Okay. Pedro in Ben Loman, California. You're on the air with Congressman Kana. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is about uh, about uh, uh, Venezuela, and uh, I have not heard uh, any forceful response from the Democrats in general. Uh, so I'm waiting for that. Um, you know, so just like we're seeing for the national emergency, I was expecting something more more forceful as far as uh, the way we're headed in that um, in that situation. You know, I'm over 50. So, uh, you know, I've been around uh, long enough to remember what happened in the 80s, you know, 70s, and, and, the, and the 90s uh, in El Salvador, Honduras, and Panama. And, uh, you know, I think we're headed that way, especially with, uh, with Elliot Abrams now being in the picture. Um, can we expect a more forceful response from, um, from the Democrats in general on this situation just to, you know, avoid a repetition of, you know, the caravans, uh, the genocide, and, and, and abuse of human rights? Well, the reality is that the Democratic Party is split. I spoke out very early. I wrote an op-ed about uh, why I oppose interventionism in uh, Venezuela. Uh, It's in the Washington Post. You can find it. Uh, And I make a very pragmatic case. Uh, Look, Madero, in my view, has had failed policies, uh, and no one defends some of his human rights abuses. But the biggest uh, gift we could give Madero is to intervene. It will just rally his troops, and it could lead uh, to greater chaos and greater bloodshed. That was the lesson of Libya. Uh, When we removed Gaddafi, we had no plan uh, for what comes next. And the Pope has been out there saying that the key has to be to reduce bloodshed, to have a diplomatic solution that the Vatican uh, uh, would uh, uh, help facilitate, and Mexico and Uruguay have been uh, uh, leading that call. Uh, We should be uh, uh, learn the lessons of this type of intervention uh, and oppose uh, the creep towards getting involved in another uh, military conflict. And so uh, I have been a, uh, candidly, a minority voice on this in the Congress, uh, but have been talking to uh, my colleagues in the Progressive Caucus who are uh, supportive of making the case against intervention uh, and then uh, uh, making the case to our caucus that we should not be quiet as we inch towards another war. This is always what happens. The uh, Democrats, we progressives, we don't speak loud enough uh, when the march happens to, to, to war, whether that was Iraq or whether that was uh, uh, Libya. Uh, and then we often regret when that uh, takes place. We need to be loud now and make the case that we shouldn't have another mistake. Yeah, and I believe this is going to be the centerpiece of Donald Trump's 2020 uh, re-election campaign, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Dave in Indian Hills, Colorado, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Hi, uh, Congressman. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Um, I My question is about my concern for uh, the Medicare Advantage programs. 
and the erosion that they have on Medicare. And we had a, a, a medical provider that we used to go to that um, switched to only accept uh, uh, Medicare programs, uh, Medicare Advantage uh, providers. And so I lost him as a medical provider. Is there a way for these uh, Medicare uh, Advantage programs to be made uh, illegal? Yeah, I think most people don't realize, Congressman, the Medicare Advantage is not actually Medicare. It's privatized health insurance that's subsidized through the Medicare Trust Fund or the Medicare funds. And, uh, well, enough said. It's, you're, you're, you're the guest. Um, well, look, the Medicare for All bill that Bernie Sanders, Pramila Jaffal, and others have don't have a, a place for Medicare Advantage. It's, uh, uh, everything will be uh, funded uh, by Medicare. You would have that option. Now, you could get uh, uh, private insurance supplemental if uh, it was not duplicative of what Medicare would provide. But the Medicare that uh, Sanders and Pramila and others envision is Medicare that would have dental, that would have vision, that would have long-term care. So the need uh, to have supplemental insurance would be very small. And in, in practice, uh, the vast majority of people, unless you're super wealthy, uh, would just be on uh, a Medicare system that wouldn't have uh, a, a private interests uh, co-opting it. So uh, the bill themselves uh, uh, don't have a role for uh, Medicare Advantage precisely because of some of the concerns that you raise. Congressman, with, with apologies to our, our listeners who are still on hold, we only have 30 seconds left. What should we be looking at and for in the coming weeks? Well, I, I, I think we, we need to uh, really push back hard on the uh, emergency uh, and realize that this is an extraordinary constitutional crisis where you have uh, the president from the first time, really, without a national security crisis, uh, trying to subvert uh, Congress's role for appropriation. Uh, and we need to, 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 to resist that. Uh, and then uh, we need to make sure that we are continuing to hold uh, the, the president accountable and make sure the Mueller report becomes transparent, that we have Cohen's testimony. And it's not just as a gotcha on the president. There is uh, conflict of interest, financial conflict of interest, uh, a, uh, a rot in the executive branch that our founders would never have envisioned. And we need to make sure that that is uh, exposed. Amen. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us again Thank today. You. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate it. Congressman Rokan. You're listening to Tom Hartman. When was the last time you replaced your toothbrush? Do you always brush twice a day for a full two minutes? You know, paying attention to these good habits has a huge impact on your health. Introducing Quip, it's spelled Q-U-I-P, the new electric toothbrush that helps to fix the brushing habits that most of us get wrong. Quip does this with a lightweight and sleek design, simple time vibrations, and guiding pulses to give you a perfect two-minute clean. Bulkier electric brushes have awkward charging stands, modes you don't need, and cost five times as much. Quip starts at just $25, and you can get brush head refills automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended three-month schedule for only five bucks, and shipping's free. Quip has been featured in GQ, Oprah's O-List, and Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of the year. So go to getquip.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M, right now and get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Tom. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash T-H-O-M. Getquip.com slash Tom. Tom Harbin here live with you from WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk, AM 820. And on Chicago's Progressive Talk, there is a new afternoon host, Joan Esposito. And she's sitting right next to me here in the studio in Chicago. And Joan, it is great having you with us. Well, thank you, Tom. It's a real honor to be on your show. I listen to you all the time. Well, thank you. Thank I'm you. a fan. Thank you. That's, that's very sweet of you. I understand that there are new polls coming out about the Chicago's mayor's Just race. today. Be before we get into the names and everything, mm -hmm. who are... Who are the players, you know, for, for people How who are not in Chicago? How much time do you have, Tom? We have 14 <laughs> people running for mayor of Chicago. Seriously? 14 people running for mayor of Chicago. We haven't seen a field of candidates. I've been in Chicago a long time, and I don't ever remember in my 
in my eons of being in Chicago, I don't ever remember a mayoral field like this, ever. Mm -hmm. We have 14 people, and um, it looked like we were going to have two front runners. Is it a partisan race? It's technically not. You don't have to declare whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, though, as you might know, Chicago is a very Democratic town. Mm -hmm. There's been some argument that one of the candidates running for mayor, a businessman by the name of Willie Wilson, is really a Republican. I mean, he's been a big Trump supporter, a big Trump Mm -hmm donor um but nobody has to say there's Mm -hmm. we don't make uh, anybody declare one way or the other in this race so does it work down to two candidates is that okay here's how it works theoretically like the top two in california yes um if somebody gets 50 percent of the vote or more they are going to win it but with 14 candidates there's almost no chance of that happening nobody Mm. sees that happening Uh, So the question is, which will be the top two vote-getters? And for someone like me, who's going to be live tomorrow night, the tragedy is that we may not know at the end of the night Tomorrow is Election Day. Tomorrow is Election Day, and we're going on the air from 7 to 10. And we may not know until March 12th or 14th. Well, that's a couple weeks from now, isn't it? Yes. If I'm doing my math Because if we don't have two clear far and away top vote getters who will go into a runoff then we have to go back and recount all the votes plus count in all the mail-in ballots that were postmarked late but that don't arrive for a day or two um so they they just declare that they are going to wait until the first end of the first beginning of the second week in march really to so declare those mail-in ballots they would be ones that were legally postmarked yes. in time but they just arrived late because of vagaries of the right. mail. You can yeah. have it. If I have a mail-in ballot, I can take it to the post office tomorrow on Election Day, get it postmarked the 26th. Obviously, it's not going to get into somebody's hot little hands that fast. Right. Um, but, you know, if it will sit there to be counted. Oh, interesting. So so what's what, what, how's the race stacking up? Oh, it's like shifting sands, Tom. <laughs> and here's the way the dunes okay. look today. All right. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, who is the president of the Cook County Board, has been the big front runner. Stop for a second. What's the Cook County Board? Cook County Board is a governing body that um, works in conjunction with different cities that fall into Cook County, one of which is Chicago. Is this what would typically be called a a county commission? There you go. He's a county commissioner. Exactly. She's a county commissioner. She's she's an African-American woman, and she's been the front runner. And, of course, we have the brother of the Daly dynasty. We have Bill Daly, Mm. Obama's uh, former chief of staff, has Mm. thrown his hat in the ring. His brother was mayor for 20-some years. His dad was mayor for I don't know how many decades. Oh, my. Um, So there's the Daly dynasty that we Mm. have. And um, those two, it was the, the common wisdom was that those two would be in the runoff. Mm. However... There's been a last-minute push uh, by two other candidates, uh, one of whom is tied now with those two, a woman by the name of Lori Lightfoot, who's been a big... Mm. She's never held office before, but she's been a big crusader for social justice, particularly police reform. Mm. And she has been surging as of late. With that name, is she Native American? She is African American. Uh She's an African American um, gay woman married uh, with a daughter. Oh, spectacular. And um, has been head of... um, For a while was head of a police commission to look into police abuse. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually was one of the few candidates to throw her hat into the ring before our mayor, Rahm Emanuel, even said he was not going to run. So she was ready to challenge him. So Rahm backed out. I thought that he was term limited. No, we don't have those. Oh, We're, uh, that's one oh, of the big why issues. The di- that's why the Daily that's Dynasty. Why, we, that's <laughs> of course. We like to vote for the same mayor over and over again. Tom, we get comfortable with a mayor. We, we break them in and we, well, we want to stay. If they're know. doing a good job. Don't I rock mean, the boat. So, yeah, yeah. no. Um, he, um, he, of course, uh, sat on the he famous being... Rahm Emanuel okay. was one of the people who suppressed the video of the Laquan McDonald shooting. That was the young black man who was shot 16 times. And a police officer has been convicted of second-degree murder in that case. And that video was suppressed until after Rahm's re-election. And then when it came out, 
as you might imagine, uh, everything was, was up for grabs, yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, he, he did some damage control for a while, but it was it became apparent that it was going to be a real battle, and it was going to be an ugly battle. Yeah. And um, he said no. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. So Lori Lightfoot is surging. What uh, what are the what are the percentage numbers here? Tony, Bill Daly, Lori Lightfoot, Tony Preckwinkle tied with fourteen percent each. Each, all each. three of them are at, literally them in a dead heat. Fourteen percent in wow. a poll that came out today, um, and the poll, because of course you know, as you well know, every candidate has their own poll, and it almost always shows them ahead, which I think is very interesting. <laughs> but this poll I that a lot on Fox News. Yeah, was done by a company um, called Two Two Seventy Strategies, and they say they are not advising any of the candidates. So they mm-hmm. are portraying themselves as being very neutral in this race. Right. Um, but one other candidate uh, who uh, is the Illinois Comptroller, Susanna Mendoza, is at 10%. So she also could easily um, find her hat in the ring. Yeah. So it's going to be a wild night. It is going to be a long night. And I cannot guarantee that there's going to be a result anytime soon. You could come back a month from now, and we could still be talking about this. <laughs> Who's going to be the mayor? Yeah. So, so if if so, it's going to come down to two, and then and then when's the actual election? election? April second. When we get two front runners, uh, the next election will be April second. Okay. So we get to do all this campaign coverage all over again. Yeah. You know, several months just isn't enough. We need we need a few more months of campaign ads and well, you know, campaign discussion. I, I, I grew up in Lansing, Michigan, and, and lived there until I was 27. And then, but you know, and we used to come to Chicago a lot for Christmas. We had dear friends who lived mm-hmm. here, and and um, Lansing was a political town. In fact, my my wife's father was the assistant AG for the state and so he wow. and which was which was a political appointee job and uh, or his boss was you know Frank Kelly the the old attorney general and so they were very into politics my dad was very active in republican politics and and uh, you know we would come to chicago and our friends in chicago were all, i mean it, i don't know if that it's like I, I it just seems to me like i've been awash in politics my whole entire life and 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 I don't know if that's something that's unique to Chicago and Lansing, or something that has to do with like big cities and capitals. I mean, Lansing's the state capital, or if that's just the way it is all over. I know it's becoming that way all over, in large part because people are saying, you know, we really don't want this crazy guy in the mm-hmm. White House. I mean, we're we're seriously worried. I I agree. I think it is becoming more the topic of conversation all over. But I think in the Midwest. We've always been more politically minded because it's a bigger deal here. I mean, if you're out on the West Coast, especially in California, you know, you're the movie industry. If you read the L.A. Times, you know, they do that huge section on entertainment business. And of Mm. course, you know, that's what they're all about. And New York is a very worldly cosmopolitan city that's big on business and arts. So what do we have in the Midwest? We've got politics. Yeah. That's, that's our theater. That's our arts. That's our entertainment. That's our daily life. Yeah, our, our politicians are. Uh, What's the old joke about something like you know, politics is is Hollywood for ugly people or something like that? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> but I, you know, it's, it's a pretty shallow joke, I guess it is. But so so, Joan, what uh, you know, in the on the national political scene right now, what's playing big in in Chicago? What are you hearing on your show? You're doing a show here on WCPT mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. afternoon. You're talking to people for a couple of, what, three hours every yes. afternoon. And, and uh, you know, setting aside Chicago politics for a moment, what's, what's your sense of the pulse of this country? I think that this area was deeply disturbed by the partial government shutdown. I think that this area is deeply disturbed by this whole idea of a of a fake emergency to get the border wall built and I think this this area is a very strong area for a woman's right to choose and this most recent mm. balloon that the Trump administration is floating about uh, trying to figure out 
uh, different ways to restrict abortion rights, I think that's going to be a huge. Well, the most the issue. most recent thing they did was not a balloon. They they just issued an executive order or an or, an order that any agency that refers people that literally says here's where you can go to get an abortion loses access to federal funds. They can no longer be a provider. I mean, this is this is designed to take down Planned Parenthood. Absolutely, it's designed to take down Planned Parenthood. And you know, this Illinois is is a real leader in women's rights like mm -hmm. this. And I think that Illinois is going to be in the forefront of the effort to fight this. Yeah. Wow. Extraordinary. Um, what are, uh, you, other topics you mentioned? I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we talked about abortion. What else? Um, people are uh, reacting to the fact of the, uh, the border wall and the fake emergency to try to get the money for the border wall. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, Chicago's a diverse city. It's, it's historically been a white-black diverse city. There's been mm -hmm. a lot of Hispanic um, uh, folks coming into the Midwest over the last three decades or so. Um, and how, how has that changed the politics of Chicago? And to what extent is the border wall, you know, outside of just being Democratic versus Republican, how is that playing here? Well, Chicago, regardless of its demographic composition, Chicago has always been very, very solidly democratic. Maybe not always as progressive as some people would like, mm -hmm. but we've always been, I think, in the forefront of people pushing for social issues and social justice. And I don't think, yes, there have been a huge influx of uh, Latinx in the area, and but I don't think that's going to change the overall thrust of where the city goes politically. I think it might change the faces you see in our city council mm -hmm. uh, if they start to more reflect their neighborhoods. But I think that uh, even, even the old white folks in Chicago have always been very socially conscious and very progressive. I love this town. Yeah, yeah, I love Chicago, too. I'm curious your thoughts on, on Governor Pritzker. You've got a brand-new governor who is a progressive billionaire, which is, um, you know, some people <laughs> would say is an oxymoron, um, but uh, he appears to be a hell of a good guy. Yes, I think he's going to be a terrific mayor. I think, personally, that there's a difference in the personalities of the people who are born to wealth as opposed to the people who make it themselves. I've known a lot of self-made men, and they tend to be very aggressive and somewhat narcissistic, mm. and that's Rauner. I mean, you know, he built this business, and, and I think he He's the former, the former, former billionaire governor. governor. Rauner, yes, he was a Republican. former billionaire. And I think he fits that mold. J.B. Pritzker was born into enormous wealth, mm. and I have had some interactions with the Pritzker family and like many families that have had wealth for generations they are very 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 into philanthropy yeah they they I mean the things they do they donate to schools they start programs before he was ever a politician he was pushing for you know making sure that uh, early childhood education was the idea was spread and that kids didn't go hungry so I think that um, I think that Pritzker is going to be a fabulous governor despite That's his great. billions John it is so nice to meet you thanks so much for, Thank for you, uh, letting me share yours we're in your studio here and next time you can have my chair okay well well, thank you. Joan Esposito, the new afternoon host here on WCPT AM 820. Joan, thank you. We'll be right You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Have a great rest of your show. Thank you. Welcome back. Let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by Goats for the Old Goat.com and loving what you do. Ellen Ratner's new book on the line with us is uh, former Ohio Congressman Bob Ney, uh, the, also the author of Sideswiped, the book you need to read if you want to know uh, all the sneaky stuff that goes on in Washington, D.C., and uh, particularly all about the crimes of John Boehner. Bob, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. So, and I'm, I was not joking, you literally do reveal the crimes of John Boehner in that book, and in fact, in the book you say, if a federal prosecutor wants to go after him, I'm willing to testify. 
Well, yes, and I, I laid every single thing out. Uh, you know, some of the people said, well, you'll be sued when you write this. I said, no, because he can't afford discovery. All the things that would be found out, I laid every single thing out. I mean, he did what they put um, Governor Bogoyevich in jail for, frankly. You know, he uh, had me get out uh, to buy, buy the seat if I left with a paycheck wow. and some legal defense fund, which never came about. But, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's history. Amazing. So, Bob, what's, what's up in the news today? Well, we've got the split screen. I know everybody's been talking about that today. And the split screen on the right side, you have President Trump on Wednesday will be in Vietnam, of course, with Kim Jong-un for the uh, the summit. And on the split screen, mm-hmm. the left side is going to be his former attorney, Michael Cohen, who will do, as you know, three uh, different committee hearings. Two will be private one with the House Intel Committee and the other with the Senate Intel Committee. Senate Intel Committee actually comes first on Tuesday night. And then the public one, which is the, you know, the big deal, will be uh, Wednesday for the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee. And, I, and you know, in that, um, and people thought, well, it's going to be about Russia, but it's not. It's going to be about a whole wide variety and host of other issues that Cohen will be asked questions on, you know, including the, you know, the Trump finances, the Trump business, uh, the Stormy Daniels uh, payments, and a wide variety of other questions. Of course, Tom, you know, I, I talked to some people on the Hill today, and on the Republican side, there will be a, uh, you know, a, a very tough lashing out at Cohen, uh, for the most part, maybe not all members, but lashing out at Cohen for, uh, you know, the fact of, well, you, you came before, you lied, you're lying again, and, you know, and trying to dispute certain things that, uh, that he said. The Republicans are going to try I, and take him down. It's going to be bombastic, and, and uh, mm-hmm. it's really, uh, it's going to be something else. Ironically, it will fall again on the same day as when the president's in Vietnam. And also, the Mueller report will not be out this week. Some say that uh, that Mueller did not want to lose the publicity of the report, but uh, from what we pick up, if anything, it would be the fact that, in in deference to the president, Mueller would not release the report while he's out of the country. Bob Nay with Talk Media News. Thank, thank you, you, Bob. Thank you. And thank you for being with us today. And thanks to WCPT for having us. And thanks to the Kane County Democrats for hosting me and, and having me uh, keynote their, their fundraiser. It was great fun. We're having a great time here. We'll be back tomorrow live from Portland. So in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. Get out there, get active. Tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 